Alrighty, gang, welcome back to the Gutowski Files. This is the fourth installment of the Gutowski Files as a standalone. And thus far, uh, I have received nothing but good uh, reports, praise. People like it, seem to like it. So, and, you know, anything that gets Gutowski's name out there more and the reload.com's name out there more, I think is a good thing. Uh, I am real quick. I'm fresh Me back. Too. Wow. <laughs> we have that in common as well. Yeah. Um, just back from yeah, the that sounds great. Ask National Conference uh, yesterday, and had an app. Yeah. yeah, it was a great time. Um, you know, we, we're out there every year, and it benefits the Foster, excuse me, the Flint Hills Foster Teen Camp, which is just north of Manhattan, Kansas, and they do really, really fantastic work in uh, getting some of these kids who just really have a bleak, bleak outlook, and giving them just a little bit of a little bit of tools in their toolbox, a little bit of inspiration to kind of see past their circumstances. And, and uh, it's a really powerful thing. And Stephen, I really hope next year we can get you out there for that whole thing. Uh, that aside, so far, I think, if you can see this, the coolest national conference shirt yet, I think. Very clean, very nice. New logo, everyone. You saw it here first. All right, I think that's all my housekeeping. Stephen, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, the Phillies are playing in the first wild card game tonight. They look great. They got to 90 wins on the season for the first time in a long time. Right. And, um, you know, they're hot. Yeah. They're no, hot. no, no doubt. I don't follow MLB as closely as you do. Um, I'm by default an Orioles fan. That's, you know, those, that was a team that was near me when I was a kid growing up in, in the D.C. area. The Nationals weren't there yet. So the Orioles uh, are good. Yeah, they're doing well. Uh, that and then I had to I had to text you and a congratulations on Sunday as the Eagles. Can I say narrowly? narrowly defeated the Washington Redskins football yeah. team commanders, which is my That's team, fair. my football team. All right. All that aside, we're boring people who hate sports. Uh, there's a couple <laughs> things I want to talk about. First of all, and I will editorialize on this a little bit. Uh, you have, I, th I think whether you meant it to be funny or not, it's a little funny headline on an analysis piece. that says, don't try to give Trump your commemorative gun at a campaign stop. Um, and I'll let you explain to the folks what that means exactly and why. And yeah, I mean, Oh, but hold on, hold on. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to mention, I'm not a big fan yeah. of uh, commemorative guns that are anything other than the tools that they're supposed to be. I think if you you add stuff to your firearm, if God forbid, now commemorative guns aren't usually used, they're not usually fielded and carried. But if you do, and not just not just a Trump gun, any any kind of stuff that you add on, um, think about before you walk out the door with that gun. If God forbid you're in a critical incident, you know, and then that gun gets taken as evidence, and then three years from now you're going to a civil trial, that gun is going to be evidence. A criminal trial, that gun's going to be evidence, and people on the jury will, no matter what you've put on it, that's additional, whether it's you know three uh, percent or it's a Donald Trump gun or it's a whatever uh, thing, just know those people are going to have, they're, they're going to base a small part of how they view you based on what's written on that gun. There was a police officer in Mesa, Arizona, bad word alert. If your kids are in the car, be careful, uh, who, who had got at a shooting that was beyond questionable. It was, I think it was a bad shooting, frankly. Um, and on his AR, his personally owned AR, the dust cover, when it flips down, wrote the words, here's the bad word coming up. You're fucked. Um, in that, do you think that came up in court, Stephen? What do you think? Did that come up in court later? Did they show that to the jury? <laughs> they did. Yes, I'm sure it did. So just something to think about. Yeah. With that said, so why, if I were to bump into the the former president, would would it be unwise for me to hand him a firearm? 
Yeah, I didn't. I didn't necessarily mean the the headline to be uh, comical. It's just kind of a reflection of the, a comical reality that we're living through, I guess. Yes. Because the thing is, um, one. Anytime a politician is running on a program platform, and and obviously we can talk about the – we do talk about the ins and outs of the platforms of the various candidates here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just putting it aside for now, he is running as a program candidate. You can criticize or or support uh, various positions he's held and, and so forth. But he's running as a program candidate. When that happens, people tend to want to give you guns when you're at camp, at campaign stops as some – as like a gift, as like – this is not an uncommon thing as much. Sure. And – Donald Trump in particular has generated a lot of passion from his supporters, many who are also, um, of course, avid gun owners and uh, view firearms ownership as a big part of their identity in a lot of ways. And so this is um, this is sort of expressed itself with guns that have Donald Trump's face on them. They're relatively common phenomenon to see to find a gun. I think. Auto Ordnance, which owns Thompson and Desert Eagle, they make all those guns. They make s- several guns that have Trump's face on them. Uh, there's a bunch of other companies that that have done this at different points. So it's not an uh, uncommon occurrence that Donald Trump could be on the campaign trail and someone would show him or offer him a gun with his face on it. Um, in fact, it's such a common thing or such like a fairly well-known thing that I was one of the weird things about his reaction to this happening when he stopped at Palmetto State Armory last week um, uh, and somebody showed him a Glock that had his face on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the weird things was that he acted like he'd never seen something like this before. He was very, I don't know. I didn't feel very genuine, honestly, because <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure several people have shown him these guns before, but either way, a politician uh, being ingenuine, even here that's, is that, Terrible to even think about a politician. Anyway, go on. people can watch the video and judge for themselves yeah. on that point. Of course, I don't want to make anyone make up their minds for them, but that was just my takeaway from, I was a little bit weird that these guns have been out there since he became president back in 2016. Right. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing. I see them all the time at trade shows and stuff. Um, but regard, so I was a little bit surprised that he acted like he'd never seen one before, but uh, regardless of that, the important bit of this, that's sort of obviously ancillary. The important thing is that once Donald Trump was indicted under felony charges, and he's been indicted obviously four different times under multiple felony charges at this point, it became illegal for him to receive new firearms. It's kind of a wonky law. It's not as well known, of course, as conviction, uh, a felony conviction, barring someone from possessing any kind of firearm Mm -hmm. or ammunition, right? Uh, This law bars receiving a firearm. So basically it's set up so that you can keep the guns you have while under indictment, but you can't get new ones. You can't buy them. You can't be gifted them. And obviously, as I talked about earlier, that this is going to become an issue at some point because of how common it is for people to gift guns to politicians who are running under a pro second amendment uh, campaign platform. Right. And that's exactly what happened when he went into that gun store in South Carolina last week. And uh, so the piece is not only about the fact that he can't legally buy a gun. So he, he claimed he was going to buy it. His campaign then claimed that he did buy it. Uh, And then when it was pointed out that it would be illegal for him to buy it, the campaign quickly 
backtracked on that and said he didn't actually buy it. So they sort of admitted that they, I guess, lied or made up this idea that he bought this gun, which honestly was makes the most sense because, you know, one of the things they ask you on that background check, for I'm sure most people listening to this have filled out the background check. Now, you might have gotten to the point where you have the pattern memorized for those yes and no questions uh, like like I do. I'm sure you do. Right. Uh, there's a I don't want to I guess it's, I don't know. Is it bad to say what the pattern is? But there's a there's like one yes and a bunch of no's. No, I'm, I'm sure. Everybody, uh, one of those questions is whether you're under felony indictment. Right. Yeah. But regardless, I, I, mean, I didn't think that any actual licensed dealer was going to try to go through with this sale because, um, well, this was mainly the point of my piece was not so much that Trump can't legally buy or accept new guns, but also that you can't give him or sell him guns because right. it's also illegal to knowingly sell or give somebody a gun uh, when they're under fel- felony indictment. And I think it'd be real hard for anyone to make the case that they don't know that Donald Trump is under felony indictment at this moment. Yeah, and I, I just want to talk to our audience real quick. You know, we remain as apolitical as we can on this show. And if you love or hate Donald Trump, you're welcome here. You know, either way, um, we want to we have a big tent here at Active Self Protection. The only time we talk about politics, hopefully, is as it relates to self-defense and Second Amendment. But with all that said, um, I think people are probably some people who support uh, the former president in his campaign, you know, obviously they're thinking to themselves, well, a lot of these charges are, you know, they seem like they're just pulled out from whole cloth, like they're just making stuff up and other charges. If you don't like Donald Trump, you might think they're very valid. And the point of this piece, I think at least part in my view is that's beside the point. The point is if you're indicted for a felony, it doesn't matter how true or untrue the felony indictment is. You can't receive any guns. So maybe, maybe somebody at home learned that for the first time. Now moving on, cause we have limited time today. Um, I wanted to talk yeah. about this case uh, out of Maryland. A federal judge basically blocked. Um, it isn't a ruling, but it's, I guess, some sort of injunction, as, as it were, uh, against Maryland's new gun-free zones. Having been from Maryland, um, I, I find this a little bit more interesting than maybe some do. But just real quick, talk to us. What does that mean? This is not the first state to try to sort of, in my opinion, undermine the Bruin ruling um, with these sorts of laws. So what's going on in Maryland, Stephen? Yeah, this is the result of what we've been calling Bruin response bills. So Bruin was handed down last year by the Supreme Court. It knocked out all of the so-called May issue uh, gun carry permitting laws throughout the country. There are only a handful of states that still had those, the sort of the deepest blue states, New York, New Jersey, um, California, Hawaii, places like that, where essentially you could, in theory, get a concealed carry permit. But in practice, it, the, uh, the ultimate decision on whether you obtained one was up to uh, the government, uh, your government official. So you could go through the background check that's required and pass. You could take the training that's required and pass. But even at that point, and uh, you know, if you applied, you were very unlikely to actually get a permit because in most of those jurisdictions, they left it up to uh, whether the government official issuing permits thinks you have a good reason or not to have a permit. And most of them didn't accept self-defense as a good reason. So that regime, that type of law was knocked out. And in response, uh, most of these states, because they were very upset about this ruling, have passed laws that make it so that it's very difficult, if not completely impossible, to carry a gun in public, even if you get a permit. So they 
complied with the aspect of issuing permits, or at least they removed the problematic portions of their laws that was that were challenged in Bruin. Right. But they responded by basically saying that almost everywhere is now a sensitive place. So they made, uh, you know, most public spaces off limits. And they also sort of reversed the presumption for publicly accessible private property, so stores and restaurants and things like that, where, uh, you know, in most states, really everywhere, basically, for the entire history of the country, the, these policies have been in place. It was that a private property owner could uh, bar someone from carrying a gun on their on their property, right? Mm-hmm. If they posted a sign, usually. Right. Uh, sometimes these signs have force of law. Sometimes they're more like a no shirts, no shoes, no service policy uh, legally. But uh, regardless, that's how it's worked uh, everywhere and up until now. And these states have all tried. This is probably the most um, significant change in, in many of these states. Now, you know, the, the gun-free zone stuff, uh, the, they, of course, expanded what what's a gun-free zone in all these uh, states that have done this, but also this this sort of uh, reversal makes it so that yeah, it makes it much harder to carry anywhere because now it's off limits. It's illegal to carry on pro- private property uh, unless the owner posts a sign saying you can. Which is very um, strange. That's the oddest thing I've heard ever. Probably they have to go out somehow and put make up a sign that says you're allowed to here. That's no one's going to do that, in my opinion. Yeah, the pro gun advocates call it the vampire rule because it's uh, akin to this idea of like a vampire has to be invited into your home. Right. If you've ever heard the you know yep. these old, the old vampire stories. Um, so. Uh, one of the most controversial and probably impactful segments of these new laws is, is that concept because it just makes practically everywhere off limits to carry uh, even if you get the permit. So they've, so they've kind of gone this direction of, all right, fine, we'll give people permits, but we're going to make it impossible to carry anywhere anyway. So this, this went on in New York and I, I just had a long conversation with my good friend, Soleil Roche, who's a fellow ASP employee who got who lives in Hawaii and got her CCW not that long ago, and that was a very big deal in Hawaii. I mean, I don't know if people are, haven't been there. That's a very anti-gun government out there. And mm-hmm. she said they, that they turned right around and did the same thing there, and they passed yes. a law where – I remember Chris Rock – I quote Chris Rock a lot, as it turns out, but I'm okay with it. Chris Rock talked about how being – you know, living in a bad neighborhood, you can go from this block to this block, then it was this street to this street, and then it was, you know, this house to this house until to the point where – you know, this is your mom telling you how far away from the house you can go and be safe to the point where you're literally just standing in in, in front of your own house on the sidewalk, spinning around in a circle because there's nowhere to go. That's kind of how I view some of these laws. Like, and she literally said yeah. on the sidewalk is the only place she felt comfortable and would, would not run afoul of these new laws if she were to carry. Um, and that's. Yeah. So, and the, the governor in New York, uh, Hochul, has said that essentially when they were passing their version of law that what well, she was asked where it would still be legal to carry. And she said the few uh, sidewalks. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, you, you get this sort of gist of what these laws are about. And Maryland's law was similar in all those ways. And this new ruling effectively has it blocks that vampire provision that we just talked about. And then it also said that most of the gun free zones they had set up uh, with this new law were also unconstitutional. And so those were blocked as well. If there were a few of them where the judge found there was significant 
uh, historical tradition to justify them. Uh, places like concert or, you know, concert venues, stadiums, uh, casinos. Um, those were the sort of some of the exceptions where he said, okay, these, you, you know, these are acceptable as, as sensitive places restrictions. So that, that case will likely can continue to be litigated because all of these laws that we were just talked about have run across the same problems in court. Mm-hmm. They've all been found unconstitutional at some, some level. Uh, of course, they're all also still in effect because they are um, being appealed to higher courts at this point. And the Supreme Court has not gotten back involved yet. Uh, they have signaled that they will likely get involved later on down the line. Right. But they want to let the, these cases go through the, the lower courts first. And it hasn't served as a political deterrence for the lawmakers in these different states, because uh, as Maryland was having their law blocked for the most part. Um, California was passing their version of this exact kind of legislation. Right. So, yeah, and more I, lawsuits likely. So, yeah, I, I mean, we talked not long, maybe last week, about how, for example, the um, you know the the felon nonviolent versus violent felon, and does that need to be addressed? And it does apparently at some point by the Supreme Court to clear up lower court rulings, and then. The other one I think was like marijuana users, you know, who were who were automatically uh, prohibited possessors for using marijuana, um, you know, and we talked about marijuana versus, you know, crack or heroin or whatever. Um, I think the bottom line here for a lot of our listeners and viewers, certainly for me, is and you can you can comment on this or not, Stephen, I know you don't like to editorialize, but do we honestly believe that any of these lawmakers honestly believe, right? that any of these provisions are actually going to keep a determined criminal from going into one of these places and doing whatever it is he or she wants to do. The only people following these laws are people you don't have to worry about. I mean, almost a hundred percent of them are people you don't have to worry about. So I'm really not sure with, with frankly, any of these, uh, even, you know, churches and, and synagogues and banks and bars and all the rest of it. You know, we had a guy on our show. We had a guy that you, interacted with who thank god was armed in a place that served alcohol because he ended uh a mass shooting before it ever got started anyway that was a lot of i just went off for there for a second if you can pull anything out of that that resembles a question steven i commend you (laughs) no i mean you know that's sort of the base level debate over guns in the united states right is whether any of these gun laws really have an effect on people beyond uh, those who are willing to abide by them sure and then that becomes a debate over, well, you know, what puts law abiding people at a disadvantage compared to criminals if they're not going to follow these laws anyway. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously on the other side, I think you get uh, a lot of people who might even admit that it's there. Uh, I mean, you saw this with the New Mexico governor, right? With her order, she admitted that she didn't think any criminal was going to follow that. Right. But, um, you know, there's sort of vague hopes that just having fewer guns around will uh, eventually lead to lower gun crime numbers, um, even if, uh, you know, the, that doesn't have a direct impact on criminals and that, uh, you know, they, they aren't convinced that law-abiding people carrying guns is a positive good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, argument over that as well. So, you know, you really have two sides that are pretty diametrically opposed on the, the basic concepts here. 
And um, that's kind of at the core of all, all these debates, right? Absolutely. Folks, that is our time. Real quick, I did want to say for those of you, um, I asked for a prayer or whatever it is you equate to prayer, good vibes, whatever, for this conference that we had out in Kansas for the Flint Hills Foster Teen Camp. Uh, additionally, we had a thing called SWAT Ministries, which is a couple who um, basically rescue young, mainly young women, but young women and men from sex trafficking and all sorts of ugliness that goes on internationally. And both of those organizations received a lot of money in part because of your prayers, but in big part because people showed up and they gave till it hurt. So we raised a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars for the foster teen camp and over six grand, I believe, for SWAT ministries. And the fun thing about that one was, if you don't know, John put a poll up, I think on the YouTube socials or whatever, basically saying, look, if you like my long curly hair and you want me to keep it, donate some money to this and that'll be a Yes, keep it. If you don't like my long hair, donate some money to the no box. And so people did. They they wrote in. And it looks like John's keeping his hair, so everyone knows. Um, don't expect it to be trimmed anytime soon. Uh, with all that said, uh, Stephen, have a wonderful week. I'm glad you never said go birds, not once this entire time, so I appreciate go that. Go birds. Ah, there we go. Go uh, Phils, yeah. also. That's the more important one right now. Absolutely. We're in the playoffs, folks. Stephen, I appreciate you as always. Uh, folks, do me a favor. Go over to thereload.com, thereload.com. Carefully consider getting a membership. Stephen and his crack investigative reporting staff. That's what I don't know if that qualifies as investigative reporters. That's a thing, right? They are doing work that no one else is doing. They are in a lane that no one else is really in. It's very specific work. And because of that, because of their hard work, we are getting a lot of this information that I don't think we get anywhere else. So over at thereload.com, they have that for you. Uh, You get exclusive content, exclusive member content, and you get a lot of stuff early. So go check that out. Steven, I'll see you next week. And as always, you have the last word, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely.